Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another King and Seven podcast. My name is Jonathan Goundry, and I will be your host tonight, as always. Um, and this is now show number 29. And I uh, just want to encourage you all to go over to the homepage and uh, there at kingandseven.com, of course. And you can see on the right-hand side, the iTunes logo is in red. If you click on that, it will automatically subscribe you to the podcast. And also you can find the show through iTunes itself. So here we are in 2011 and uh, hoping for for good things by God's grace concerning this podcast in this year. Uh, so when I was thinking about what subject I should bring to get the ball rolling, so to speak, um, the, the subject that kind of reoccurred to me over and over again was the doctrine of regeneration. And I guess... It's due to a couple of other, th- couple of other things I've seen recently in the media, and just in my own life that's triggered these thoughts. But also, beginning a new year, you know, new beginnings. Regeneration is all about new beginnings because that very word means to generate again, to start afresh, to start anew, to renew. Regeneration, um, and this has been the kind of uh, central term used by Reformed theologians to speak of the born-again reality with the believer. Because we find in Scripture, as we're going to see as we do a survey of the Scriptures concerning this doctrine, that it gets referred to by different names, but they're all synonymous at the end of the day. So what I would like to do, just an introduction here, is to go, first of all, to some of the Old Testament Scriptures, probably quote them offhand here, and show you that the Bible is always promised and always intended to see God's people with clean hearts, and that this is actually the, um, the inception of our entrance into the kingdom. And uh, John 3 bears this out when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, and he tells him, Uh, point blank, that if you are not born from above, which would be the correct Greek translation there, or sometimes referred to born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. I know I said I was going to start in the Old Testament scriptures, but that is quite revealing, because there Jesus is addressing an Old Testament scholar. And he's basically saying, why don't you get this, Nicodemus? That if you're not born of the Spirit, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of heaven. Of heaven. So that kind of gives us a tip off that this wasn't a brand new thought in the New Testament scriptures, but it was there to be discerned, perceived in the Old Testament scriptures. And that's exactly what we find when we go to those scriptures in the Old Testament. First off, we have Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, where the covenant sanctions are being given to Israel under the Mosaic administration. It says, if they were to apostatize and God would banish them from the land of promise into the foreign nations, that when he would gather gather them in again, that he would circumcise their hearts. You read this in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, verse 5 and 6, I believe. It says, if you seek me and you repent with all your heart, then I will gather you into the land again, and then I will circumcise your hearts and the hearts of your offspring. And this is speaking of, I believe, one of the first promises 
of the new covenant era. Because we see this further developed and unfolded with the prophets. For example, in Ezekiel 36 and Ezekiel 11, we have this this prophecy about how that one day God was going to gather his people together and take away their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Again, this is synonymous um, terms to speak of regeneration. We have it there in Deuteronomy 30, referred to as the circumcised heart. Then again in Ezekiel 36, as a heart of flesh. And then uh, furthermore, in um, Jeremiah, it says in chapter 31 that I will write my law upon their hearts. And I will cause them to fear me, Jeremiah 32. So whether it's this language in Jeremiah 31 of the law of God being written on our hearts, or whether it's uh, uh, Deuteronomy uh, with the circumcised heart, or whether it's Ezekiel with the heart of flesh, it's all speaking of the act of God through the Spirit, whereby he changes the affections of a uh, a dead sinner or somebody who's spiritually dead. And Ephesians 2 bears this out as well as we move into the New Testament. Uh, We see there in Ephesians uh, chapter 2 that we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. But God, who is rich in mercy, raised us up to newness of life and seated us together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. This language of being raised up is, again, another phrase, another term that refers back to these uh, promises of regeneration. Uh, Jesus himself in the Gospel of John said the hour is coming and is now when the dead shall hear his voice and live. And then the hour is coming when all that are in their graves shall come forth, some to the resurrection of life, some to the resurrection of condemnation. So there he's speaking of two different resurrections. So we see another term, resurrection. Um, used in the Gospel of John and I believe also in Revelation 20 but they all speak of that central work of the Holy Spirit through the proclamation of the Gospel in the heart of a sinner when he raises them to newness of life. So what are we to make of all these scriptures when we collect them together in a systematized way? It basically means this that before Christ through through the power of the Spirit, has mercy on us and transforms our heart, whether it's using this language of a circumcised heart or a heart of flesh, we have affections and desires in the very core of our being that are at enmity with God, that are opposed to the things of God and believe things that are against God's truth. That's basically what the Bible is describing there. That before God is pleased to bring a sinner to life in regeneration, we behave in such a way by which we deny God and practice idolatry. That's what Romans 1 is about. And yes, it has all these symptoms of sexual sins, of greed, of lust, of covetousness, um, all these other uh, horrible, um, grave consequences of rejecting God, but it pivots on this this truth 
of of God withholding his his hand of regeneration because when he does see fit to regenerate a sinner we have the contrary that takes place no longer do we serve idols no longer do we have these uh, gross sins in our lives but he enters into the very epicenter the very citadel of the reign of self and places Christ there in its stead and in doing so he changes our affections through the power of the spirit whereby we first off want to repent of our wicked ways we want to repent of our sinful lifestyle and it doesn't matter what sinful lifestyle it may be it might be self-righteousness it might be greed it might be lust it might be laziness but whatever that lifestyle was whichever idol we were serving we nice we now see it for what it truly is a dumb idol that cannot bring life and we see Christ for the first time in all of his effulgence and all of his redemptive uh, power and we thrust ourselves entirely upon him for the redemption and salvation of our souls so that's a big that's a big deal and that's why i felt it was worth looking at fresh once more that without this work of the spirit we are doomed we are destined to go the way of all flesh and to serve idols and to have a heart that is callous towards the things of god but when christ through the spirit does come to us and raises the newness of life then for the first time we desire the things of god we want to please god we want to embrace his truth see a lot of people to this say well if you're born again or regenerated according to the scriptures that just means your moral behavior improves I would say that's kind of like the low-hanging fruit of the uh, the effects of regeneration. Yes, your moral behavior is going to improve because you repent of those ways of living. But the word repentance in the Greek primarily means a changing of one's mind. So in other words, when somebody is regenerated and born again, they believe the truth and they love the truth. They renounce the lies of Satan and the lies of the world and they embrace the truth of the gospel and their worldview changes. That's one of the key things one should look for within ourselves and with others when somebody claims the name of Christ. Do they believe in the Christ of Scripture? Is their worldview a Christian worldview? or are they announcing him in word but denying him in in worldview and in practice and in deed because a lot of people say well yeah i believe in jesus but when you break down what they mean by jesus it's a very different jesus to the christ of scripture look at the christian cults look at those who talk about jesus being a good teacher a lot of philosophers will uh, in their in their viewpoint not throw out the baby with the bathwater they say well we don't want any of that judgment stuff but the fact that Jesus said love your neighbor as yourself the golden rule we'll keep that or we'll adopt that for ourselves and we'll have this borrowed capital from the Christ- Christian worldview but when somebody is truly born again there's an immediate verticality in everything they think and want to do and that is 
it forces you by the power of the Spirit to look up and to see God in Christ and to see that as your highest priority, your highest, most valued treasure. And it makes all those idols fall by the wayside. Whatever it may be, it's the idol of sex, it's the idol of money, it's the idol of self-glorification. Whatever those idols are, they fragment and crumble and eventually dissolve once the Spirit has renewed your heart in regeneration. And having repented and for the first time embraced the truth, your behavior does change. You no longer find pleasure and fulfillment and satisfaction in those things that God condemns. You no longer derive your pleasure from, from things that are um, intrinsically destructive, spiritually speaking, to yourself and to others. But you want to live a life with purpose. You want to live a life with transcendent value. So imagine, if you will, in your mind for a moment, when somebody is enslaved to their sin before regeneration uh, pierces their life and heart, they are looking down. They are not looking up in the spiritual sense. They are looking down to themselves and to the idols around them. And they say to themselves, Ah, that will be my chief purpose in life. That will bring me the most happiness. But for those who have been so wonderfully, graciously regenerated by the power of the Spirit, recognize that the highest pleasures of this world or the highest achievements of this world pale into uh, dust or in comparison to that of knowing Christ. And yes, we're all inconsistent. I'm not saying tonight that if you're claiming to be born again, if you're claiming to be regenerated, that you never sin again. That you always have the purest of thoughts. In fact, if you look at Romans 7, it talks about this battle that begins for the first time once you're born again. That prior to this redemptive reality in our lives, we are in agreement with our sin. We love our sin. We get out of bed each morning and get giddy about practicing our sin. But when Christ has changed your heart, then you wrestle with that sin. And then that, that sin that's within our members, as Paul describes there in Romans 7, is like a disease. Or putting it more lightly, like a, like a sneeze. Something that you just have to get out of you. Something that is alien to you. It's there, all right? You're still in this mortal frame that has fallen, but it's kind of contrary to the essential new you. And it, it just clashes with, with who you desire to be. And it almost brings, at times, agony. And people often view this as a very negative thing. But if that fight's going on, that's a good thing. Because that means there's two forces within collision there, which is creating that friction. So we can see here, according to the scriptures, that if this work does not take place, we will eventually fall away. We won't persevere to the end. And that's why I'm so thankful 
that's an entire act of God, that it is monogistic in its application. And what I mean by that, it is of one energy, God alone. And obviously the, uh, the story of Lazarus is a very good physical example of how this works. There's Lazarus, dead in the tomb. Jesus says, roll away the stone. And he says unto Lazarus, Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus said, well, I don't know if I want to do that. Not today. I'm already enjoying heaven. No, he came forth and God raised him up to newness of life, physically speaking. But more importantly, spiritually speaking, that's what happens to a person when they believe the gospel. So there you have the doctrine and even the application of it. What should regeneration look like in our lives? But also, just in conclusion here, um, why um, why such such passion, Jonathan, you might be asking, about this particular subject? Well, it's important to be passionate about every biblical subject, especially a salvific one. But of particular note, I've noticed in our culture um, a loose way of speaking of being a Christian, a loose way of, of claiming uh, to be a disciple of Christ. And it's prevalent in every age, but I think more so in this one. I can't prove that, but as I look around and um, I see a lot of people say, oh yeah, I'm born again. And it's like this little tidbit. It's like it's almost treated as this, this uh, small happening in your life. But if you're born again, you are crucified with Christ. You are seated in the heavenly places with him right now as we speak. So to not live in such a way or to not um, give it the, uh, the reverence this subject deserves shows, I would say, a misunderstanding and even a, a deception of how truly great it is to be born again. Because if we are, then we're going to live in such a way that reflects that change within us. Because it's not what goes into a man that defiles a man, but what comes out of a man. And we need to get beyond this idea that, well, you know, when I was in the world, I had so much of this. And I was able to do what I wanted. And I, now Jesus demands that I do this, this, and this. No, my friends, that's law. That will bring death. The law brings death. Even though the law is good enough itself, we ourselves sinful, cannot fulfill the law. But to be born again, to have that transformation of the heart, is the greatest thing that can ever happen to you. Because that means from there, everything else will spiritually find its place. That you won't make a decision based upon an idolatrous heart in your life. Because we so often at times make decisions for wrong reasons. But for the true saint, his decisions, decisions are purified. He's not seeking his own glory. He's seeking the glory of another. He's, think, he's seeking the glory of Christ and of the Father through the Spirit. So that he, he says no when other people are saying yes to things. And he says yes to things when other people couldn't care less because he's moving on with God. And I think that's the final 
comment I want to leave with you tonight. Move on with God. If you're born again, you're born again. And you need to move forward and move up with God. There's no reverse gear. And you need to, in some ways, I need to, kind of not totally forget about the things that I achieved in the past, but you have to put them by the wayside. You have to really assign them to the archives because you can't live off those things. But you have to walk by the Spirit each day and allow the, um, the effects of regeneration to permeate every area of your life so that each day you live afresh unto God. And I think that's what regeneration is about. And through the gift of the Spirit, which I believe it is a distinct work of God in the believer, He will get you through it. And He'll take you to new levels in Him. It may not receive the prayers of men, but it will glorify the Christ of Scripture. So regeneration. Contemplate it once more this week and be grateful to God that He has wrought this great work in your heart. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the show. And I look forward to seeing you next time. God bless you all.